Welcome to the Sub Pop Cult Podcast. I'm your host, Michael McGruther. This boy and girl coming home from school look quite content with life. And why not? They're looking forward to an important date, dinner at home with the family. What's the matter? Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Well, to them, it's a special occasion, as it has been ever since they sat down to dinner in high chairs. Why should they feel that way about something you take so completely for granted? Well, let's see if we can find out. Culture has consequences, just like elections have consequences. But believe me when I tell you that the consequences of elections are directly tied to the consequences of culture. And that's why culture is where all power is generated and all policy is normalized and all politicians exist. Downstream from a culture that is corporatized and informing their political reality. So what is more important to you? What is more important to me? It is not how many people vote and who votes and access to voting. None of that matters. What matters if you're marginalized and you're set aside and you haven't had a fair shake from the system in 30 to 40 years, it's because culture has consequences. Only culture has the power to popularize and nationalize any mindset and any movement that serves the system. Only culture has the power to make hating police officers and distrusting the government the popular trend. If you want to change something, you have to change its culture. And by change the culture, I mean change politics. Because, let's face it, we exist in the reality of people who used culture to change politics and reverse the power structure a long time ago. That's where we exist. What I'm offering you at Sub Pop Cult is a mindset that provides a fresh take. The right hasn't had a fresh take in a long time. We have recycled, repackaged, fresh outrage week after week. Fresh reactions, we've always seen it. Something is, is stinks about the way the political divide is set up where only one side makes the culture and the other side reacts. This mindset that I'm trying to put into the world so that you can adopt what makes sense to you. You don't have to agree with anything I say, but if something makes sense and you can juxtapose it against your real-life experience, then maybe you might want to reiterate the things that I say so that it spreads further and further, so that we can use culture to upend politics. Every time you have a story where a parent is just shocked, absolutely shocked, that their child is transitioning and their guidance counselor at school helped them, That's a consequence of a culture. But the consequence isn't just that moment. It's the decades of peeling away parents from their children. It's the decades of preoccupying parents with their own perversions and subtle nudges into debauchery and behavior that is more geared towards pleasure and consumerism than being responsible for the young people you're raising. And so once that divide got deep enough, then things happen where parents have no clue what goes on in their child's life because their children are raised by a culture that is coming up from their children's shows and the things that they read and the books that, that, are, that are given to them in school, and that always is designed to conflict with and challenge the other, the older generation, the generation ahead of them. This monetization of everything 
is totally transparent now. You've seen it where we've had H1N1, there was no vaccine, people got sick, it was a risk, some people died, but eventually the human organism found a way to overcome it and we don't really talk about H1N1 anymore. But what happened with COVID is they monetized the whole interaction and they said, let's get all these people doing transactions with our vaccines. Let's take that natural order of things and turn it into a profitable business. That's the name of the game all the time. And taking one generation and pitting it against another culturally is a business model. It's not a business model that you and I are aware of, and it's not a business model that's geared towards helping us in any way. It's geared towards keeping us right where we are, right in the consequences of culture, so that everything you do and everything you experience is juxtaposed against some abstraction that says your choices are wrong, your choices are bad, your views don't exist, who the hell do you think you are to have a mind of your own? The consequences of culture are ever-present. The only way to beat back this wave of non-stop browbeating of the American people to behave one way or another, simply so the rug can be pulled out for them time after time again, is with a new reiteration, a new reiteration of the true things. You don't have to pick a side to reiterate the true things. It's very easy to get people to agree that the government shouldn't tell you what to think. The character actors that go around pretending that one side is going to completely use the government to tell you what to think and everybody that votes for them agrees with it is a lie. You have to understand that the left is bigger than the right, but the left is populated with people who are not leftists. What they do is they just can't get on board with the story of the right. The story of the right, as I've established before in many episodes, is a disingenuous story about a make-believe group of people. It's almost like they have convinced the right to elevate the most ridiculous, insane characters at all times, and they use that paintbrush to paint a picture for the American people that is intolerable. But once again, it's just another consequence of culture. And now you understand exactly why distraction is used all the time. It makes any competition with this culture inconsequential. That's what it does. By silencing another voice, there's no consequence. There's just the consequence of the culture put upon us by corporations and their paid minions. We can change this culture. It's all within our power. One of the great things about America is we have a unique way of renewing and that we still have this ability to think and act for ourselves. And as long as we can do that, enough people will eventually reiterate the right things and the mindset will change and the culture will change and the politics will finally change. But be honest with yourself. Change happens slowly. Change is an evolution from one reality to the next. Change begins with a seed, and a seed is small. That small seed grows into a mighty oak, but it must be cared for. It must be given access to sunlight and water. That's you. You are the sunlight and the water. 
You are the power that can raise up this tree and turn it into a forest. I've said this before in the podcast, but this is what we're doing. We're cultivating a better culture by planting better seeds that result in a culture that actually preaches the truth to people, but enables them to live their truth at the same time. All the left does is they figure out a way to give something a slogan, live your truth, when really most Americans already operate under this premise that you're free to do what you want and I'm free to do what I want. Only through storytelling, only through corporate government storytelling are we pitted against one another so that we can't realize that we already all do live this truth. By cultivating one side into an extreme and the other side carving out a small bit of itself and using its extreme to bait the other side is what goes on. That probably didn't make sense to you. The right is always encouraged to be an extreme that is unrealistic. The left is not. The left is so big that they actually have the right amount of people and the right amount of personalities that they can do everything at the same time. They can govern, they can push policy, but they can also agitate, distract, and destroy unity among the American people. And when you accept that this is the reality, you accept that the Republicans are in on it, and you accept that there's only one party in the government, and it's the government. The division is for us. It started out as a way to balance out the system. But through storytelling, through narrative, through the written word, through the spoken word, through filmed entertainment, through books, through novels, through little tiny hidden simulacrums everywhere that are based on nothing true, but are set at the right time, are broadcast at the right moment, they achieve this power, which seems unbeatable. But the linchpin, I've said it before, and I'm telling you again, the linchpin is ignoring. I can feel it when people in large numbers begin to ignore the media. We all can, because there's a kind of dullness that blankets the land, where you go on social media, and nobody's really going off for a day or two. Those feel like, what's wrong? Nobody cares anymore. No, that's a crack in the system, losing our attention we need, we need to expand that, but also you have to have the knowledge that when there's silence and the social media world is not about division, but it's about sharing the good things, the positive things, the things that build us up together as co-equal citizens in a free land. Once we start to really value that reality is when we stop the communists who have always wanted to destroy America from within without firing a shot. What was life like in the USA during the 1950s? For the majority, it was great. It was a prosperous decade with unprecedented economic growth and the unemployment rate at an all-time low. The post-war boom was a time of family values, conformity, religious awakening, and consumerism. In short, life was good, simple, and highly materialistic. But as always, there was a fly in the ointment. Communism. 
which hung over American happiness like an ominous shadow. Mr. Hoover, some people are saying today that communism is no longer a danger to our country. What is your opinion about that? Senator, I think that communism is as serious a menace to the United States as it ever was, if not more so. Because today you have in charge of the Communist Party a hardcore fanatical group of members who are dedicated to the overthrow of our government by force and violence. The Communist Party itself is a part of an international criminal conspiracy for the destruction of the American way of life. It's headed up into Moscow by Nikita Khrushchev. By the end of the 1950s, for the average American, Nikita Khrushchev was public enemy number one. Not that average Americans knew much about him, but what they did know was enough for them to make up their minds. In their eyes, Nikita Khrushchev was the ruler of the biggest country of the world, the communist Soviet Union. He hated God, America, and Americans. And he was getting ready for an all-out nuclear war against the United States. For Americans, Mr. K, as the American media often called him, was the devil incarnate. And then, the unthinkable happened. In a special White House conference, President Eisenhower reads the text of a joint announcement released simultaneously in Moscow. The President of the United States has invited Mr. Nikito Khrushchev, Chairman of the Council of Ministers of the USSR, to pay an official visit to the United States in September. Mr. Khrushchev will visit Washington for two or three days and will also spend 10 days or so traveling in the United States. That was the opening sequence from a 2013 documentary called Khrushchev Does America. It was released in France, believe it or not, but you can see it on YouTube. The reason I played the opening of this scene is to point out a word that was put in to the picture painted about Americans. We believed in God, we had freedom, but consumerism was on the rise. Now, consumerism, as we know from listening to this podcast, has turned against us because of psychoanalytical marketing and advertising, which presses your buttons and gets you to want and desire things, including lifestyles, that are not good for you, that you never knew you wanted in the first place. It's pushed upon the people. Now, the direct benefactor of this excessive use of psychoanalytical power is the communist, the communist mindset and communist nations. It is un-American to blindly be sold products and manipulated into wanting them, desiring them, needing them, using them to find out they're bad for you. They kill your ability to stay alive beyond a certain age without disease. All the things that you suspect are true are most likely true in some small form or fashion. But nothing is more true than the fact that consumerism is being used by communists to kill America. Now, who makes all of our products? China. And who wants to surpass the United States as a global leader? China and Russia working together. We're at the moment that you feared as a child, that you heard was coming. The moment is here. The communists are aligned against the West, and the West now has to defend itself, and it also has to fight back and prove that Western life 
is superior, that freedom is superior. Every American knows that freedom is better than tyranny. But what psychoanalytical advertising and marketing and persuasion has done to us, and political narrative and Russian-style political theater has done to us, has fooled us into thinking that wrapping yourself in a rainbow flag and dancing with just a pair of underwear and some titty clamps on as a full-grown man in front of children in front of St. Patrick's Cathedral during Gay Pride Month is some expression of freedom. It's not. It is a comical destruction of the American way. It's comical only to the communists. It's frustrating to the people who see it. But to the people who are involved in it, it's empowering. And the communists are laughing all the way to the finish line. And the finish line is Americans so weak, so divided, so at each other's throat, so that when global conflict happens, peace and unity and strength that has pushed back all the dark ideologies through time is not available to the American people anymore. And instead, systems of data and control and persuasion will supersede the system of human freedom that we established in this country. We can't let this happen. We must undivide. We must focus on what truly matters, your liberty and my liberty. You get to do what you want. I get to do what I want. But the public square is the public square, and it shall be treated with respect. That's all there is to it. If we turn this switch and refine our center and we understand the persuasion, the communists will lose. Because nothing on earth can challenge the will of we the people when we are united and have one goal in mind, the pursuit of liberty and justice for all, the preservation and the extension of the American way. Thank you for tuning in to the Sub Pop Cult Podcast. We the people are a greater force and a greater power than they, them, the government. They, them, the government gets their power from we the people, and they get their direction from we the people. And that is why, if you listen to this podcast and you adopt this mindset, you will contribute to changing it by rapidly changing the faces and names of the people who represent us in government. Everybody's corrupt. Everybody's involved in bad deals. They have baggage. So much baggage. Look at the government officials that you've seen all your life on TV. Is that one relative who has so much baggage, you just don't know what to do with them. You can't invite them to dinner. You can't include them in vacation. So you have to marginalize their presence until they figure out what they did wrong. That's what we have to do with lifelong government people. We really don't need to fight over term limits. We just need to enact term limits with our votes. So remember that as we head into this crucial election campaign, going into the midterms where Joe Biden comes out, a lame duck, and we possibly get Kamala Harris as the president because he steps down. That's the rumor. But remember, this is all theater. We are the ones who send them packing, and we're the ones who put them in power. And we have to exercise that from a point of unity. Unity is critical. If you have a problem with your fellow Americans, I invite you to please figure out a way to look past those issues and find unity together 
so that we can replace every single character in the narrative with people who take their role so much more seriously that they would never drag it through the mud and participate in bullshit political theater just to keep Americans divided. Dividing us is the most despicable act of any politician, political group, or organization. Uniting us is what we need. Uniting us is the gold that keeps America shining and on the hill for everyone to see.